So we'll get started again. Thank you everyone that's joined us today. It's great, great to have you with us. My name is Stuart Ritchie. I'm founder, video lead developer, whatever you want to call me at Powered by Coffee. We are a specialist software and web development agency dealing with publishers and media organizations, solving problems as they come up, mostly with open source solutions. Today, our guest is Barry Adams. Barry, the owner of Polemic Digital and an overall expert in SEO for publishers, news, anyone with a ton of content, particularly fast moving content. Barry, is there anything else you want to say? Say about yourself in terms of an introduction that I've missed there. Not really, except that I have no social filter left. Therefore, there might be the odd F form on swear word, and I apologize in advance. Especially when it comes to the topic of today, I just yeah have strong opinions and tend to vocalize those in in profane ways. Absolutely fine. I'm sure everyone will be fine with that. I certainly am, but I'll be fine. I'm sure. So today, our our topic is. Google AMP for publishers in 2023. Is this a useful tool or is it an ongoing headache? So for those that don't know, you know, always good to start the basics. What is Google AMP? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, originally introduced in 2015, AMP was Accelerated Mobile Pages. That's how they originally had the acronym. And it was a web framework that Google introduced specifically to allow for fast loading, mobile friendly web pages. That sounds fairly innocuous. You know, it's, it's a framework that developers can use to build very fast and mobile friendly web experiences. The issue was with AMP when Google introduced it, they decided to make it a requirement for top stories visibility on mobile search results, which basically meant that news publishers did not have a choice. They had to adopt AMP for their article pages, create AMP versions of their article pages to get any visibility in mobile search results on the top stories boxes. Now, those top stories boxes, in case you don't know, for most news publishers, the majority of their Google traffic back then, and to a large extent still now, will come from clicks from those top stories boxes. The top stories box, basically a news carousel on Google's regular search results. Roughly one in 10 Google search results will have a news box of some description. And of course, the majority of users will use Google on a mobile device. I think 60% of mobile, 60% of Google users use Google on a mobile device. So if you're not visible as a news publisher in those mobile top stories boxes, you lose quite a hefty chunk of your potential traffic from Google. So that was the, the stick that Google used to force adoption of AMP, basically. And the carrot was, hey, you can use this to, to make very easy, mobile-friendly search experiences. And the stick was, you have to use AMP or you lose most of your mobile traffic. And I think that was probably the wrong foot for Google to start on because it didn't really give publishers a choice. It was, it was basically blackmail, use, use AMP or, or, or fuck you. And that combined with the fact that when AMP was originally introduced in 2015, and then the requirement came in 2016, it didn't have all the bells and whistles, didn't have all the features that publishers actually needed to create coherent mobile experiences. Launch AMP only accepted Google Analytics as a web analytics platform. Plus at the launch, you needed a separate Google Analytics profile, Google Analytics property for AMP. You couldn't just use your existing Google Analytics property for that which meant there was a huge disconnect in measurement between AMP and your regular articles. 
App also didn't support a lot of other things like videos initially, very limited ad ad adoption for advertising platforms. So advertising opportunities in AMP were very limited and at launch again, very prohibited by only Google approved ad platforms. And there were a lot of other things that just didn't work. You couldn't do paywalls with, with AMP and a lot of other things. So it was basically not even an MVP when it launched and Google immediately forced publishers to use this very lackluster, underdeveloped standard. Of course, Google developed AMP very quickly after that and enabled a lot more features and functionality, but by then the, the seeds of discontent were already sowed and uh, publishers were already like, really, we have to do this? And for a lot of publishers, AMP just became a massive burden because it was a, a separate development trajectory they had to do for just to have an AMP valid set of articles so that it could keep getting mobile traffic from Google. And then they had their regular web pages that they also needed to maintain and improve. I think Google intended for AMP to become sort of a de facto standard that you know they went what they called the canonical AMP, especially in the first few years, they really tried to emphasize that, which basically meant Google wanted you to build all your web pages in the AMP standard not just separate AMP development track so that you build your whole website basically in AMP. And, you know, eventually the standard got to that level where you could feasibly do that, that it had all the bells and whistles as a, as a framework where you could actually build an entire website in AMP. But that took several years for the AMP standard to evolve. Yeah. So we hear it. So we've actually come across a few websites when we've been looked at, when asked to look at why things aren't performing or when there's problems that have been built entirely in AMP HTML. So, like, I want to come back to that thought then of it being such a, a burden on on publishers to do because it was or still is it's not still around, you know, an entirely separate framework, apparent, not apparently, an entirely separate framework in reality with its own syntax, its own kind of HTML markup. It wasn't a simple like, oh, we just throw this tag on here and it's fine. You actually had to go out and redevelop your pages again as if it was an entirely separate channel you were publishing content into so all of a sudden you would have your like your normal standard website you had an api that like was able to push that content off to notification services and then amp that you were running off as well so it was actually a huge huge development burden for a lot of publishers to to maintain and run this um yeah i think you say very much so not a simple thing to implement but yeah sorry i interrupted continue <laughs> No, no, that's exactly it. It was, it's not, it wasn't easy because they had to basically rebuild their entire article template in AMP. And initially, especially the, the limitations of AMP meant that it didn't have the same look and feel as your own regular articles. Plus, of course, the main advantage that Google proclaimed that AMP had, which is faster load speed, was a bit of a lie because that faster load speed experience was enabled because Google hosts AMP articles in their own AMP cache and does a lot of preloading and speed optimizations in that AMP cache, which basically meant, you know, Google hosts your AMP articles for you rather than, you know, people visiting your AMP articles on your own website. Whenever an AMP article is shown, even today in Google search results, and you click on that, you're not actually going to the publisher's website, you're going to Google's AMP cache, which is of course one of the it's reasons of my... why, yeah. So, so this is one of my kind of primary problems with AMP is that it centralizes so much of the web within the control of a central organization. I know there's a lot of talk kind of with Web3 and stuff and going decentralization of the web and stuff like that, but the web was inherently decentralized. Like web, 
three and decentralization was is not a new thing. The web is a decentralized platform at its core. We recentralized it a bit with the move to Facebook and stuff like that, where everything kind of coalesced around primary social networks. But I've like this was my real bugbear with AMP at the time was like you're giving up so much control and putting it to a single entity that you are opposed to. Your incentives are not aligned here. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I'll tell you exactly when it for me really crystallized that AMP was a bad thing was when Google really started hammering home the fact that your AMP articles needed to be perfectly equivalent to your regular non-AMP articles. They started sending out notifications via Google Search Console if Google detected differences between your AMP articles and your regular articles. Like for example, your regular, regular articles had comments or videos and your AMP articles did not. Google would show that as a warning in Search Console and actively notify you and tell you that you needed to create perfect equivalence. And that for me was when my patience with AMP was stretched beyond breaking point. And I wrote my, I suppose, fairly infamous article, Google AMP can go to hell. Because for me, that was the moment when I really understood what Google wanted to do with AMP. Instead of Google adapting themselves to the decentralized chaotic web and trying to build better mechanisms to cope with the chaos that is the web, Google forced the web to adopt to them. Google wanted the web to become Google compliant. And to a large extent, they still do. They have a other mechanisms that Google uses to make their own life easier that have no direct benefit for websites themselves. For example, XML sitemaps is a Google mechanism. Schema.org structured data is a Google mechanism that helps Google come to grips with your website. They have no benefit for your users or for your website in terms of user experience and all that. It's purely for Google's benefit. And AMP for me was again an attempt by Google to make the web conform to them rather than them conforming to the web. And that really got up my nose to such a level where I was like, nah, we, we shouldn't be doing this. Uh, fuck you, Google. We need to really, really push back. I was the only one on that, of course. There's, there's been hundreds of articles written about how AMP it goes against the decentralized nature of the web and how publishers should go against it. The problem is, of course, that publishers didn't really have a choice because of the requirement for AMP articles to be present to be shown in mobile top stories. There was a bit of a hallmark moment as well when Google dropped that requirement. And we already had a bit of indication that Google was sort of abandoning AMP as a standard. They introduced a new set of load speed metrics, Core Web Vitals, which sort of you know were derived from AMP to a certain extent, but they gave developers and publishers very clear metrics in terms of load speed and usability to optimize their articles for. And the people who were on the AMP advisory committee and part of the AMP engineering team at Google sort of started becoming less active, going on to different projects. And then when Google dropped the requirement for top stories for AMP, I think it was in 2020, that for me really was the moment like Google is, is letting this go. They, they, they've been fighting this for more than five years and they decided that, you know, AMP is probably not going to be the future of, of mobile technology anymore. So with that requirement removed to be part of you know, the news and the top stories, <laughs> there's still notionally the advantage of, of it, you know, being fast. And a lot of people say like, from an SEO perspective, do what Google wants and you'll rank well. Google wants to put on pages in place and you'll rank well in general. Does that, does that still feel 
like the nature of the game when it comes to AMP? Well, I'll tell you this. The moment Google dropped that top stories requirement, that AMP requirement for top stories, we saw a huge uplift in the number of publishers that did not have AMP pages show up on top stories. You can point it down to the day when Google dropped that requirement. It also makes me a bit angry, give a bit of background on there, because those publishers that suddenly started showing in top stories, which are non-AMP articles, they'd never had AMP or they deleted AMP before Google dropped the requirement, they ticked all the other boxes that Google asks of publishers. High quality content, reputable publishers, strong topical authority, good journalism, but they did not show in mobile top stories because they didn't have AMP articles. And from one day to the next, they started showing in top stories because they have had AMP articles. And I suppose to a certain extent that we should make the publishers happy, like, hey, we suddenly started showing that. But for me, it showed the power that Google has that just because those publishers didn't have AMP articles, but they had quality journalism and great content, they did not show in top stories for nearly five years. They didn't get traffic from mobile versions from Google for nearly five years, despite the fact they were perfectly valid, legitimate news publishers producing quality journalism, but Google throttled their traffic, throttled their visibility, because they failed to adapt Google's own web standard. And that really pissed me off. And I was happy at the time that Google dropped the requirement, but at the same time, it made me so angry because it made it so viscerally clear the power that Google has. Because these, some of these publishers were struggling. They were struggling to get traffic in, struggling to get advertising revenue, struggling to get subscribers because they didn't get mobile traffic from Google. Now, moving on, the top storage requirement was dropped. And there is a case to be made on, hey, AMP still exists as a framework, still exists as a platform. You can still build AMP pages and you get that speed advance. But you know you still have all the other issues with AMP. Uh, reduced monetization because of the limitation that AMP has for advertising. The lack of integration with your paywalls, just a lot of other things that just are difficult or challenging or impossible to do in AMP. Uh, and of course, you know the stuff being hosted in Google's AMPcast. On the other hand, we now have Core Web Vitals, which is fairly decent as, as a set of metrics that you can optimize your website for to measure subjective load speed experiences that your users have. And I think, you know, AMP as a standard basically being dead in the water, especially now that Google has gone entirely quiet on AMP. They even re removed AMP from all the pertinent documentation uh, when it comes to article structure data, for example. There's no mention of AMP anymore in Google documentation. They're basically just letting it go. All the Google engineers who used to work on AMP have moved on to other projects. There hasn't been a proper update to the AMP standard in, in months, if not years. So the thing is dead in the water. The, the, it's basically been abandoned. So for me, it makes no sense as a publisher to keep investing in AMP and creating AMP pages. What you should be doing is investing in your core web vitals, making sure your website ticks core web vitals, is mainly green for your non-AMP pages and core web vitals. Make your website load as fast as you can and, and you know, with good LCP, good CLS, all those things, and then just get rid of AMP. Just delete it and, and get rid of it and pretend it never happened, basically. I think that's very fair. I think you know, any ranking advantage that it seems like AMP had, you know, is replaced. You know, not that AMP apparently, not that AMP gave a specific advantage beyond the news placement that it provided the speed boost that the algorithm used as that rank, not ranking metric, but positioning metric. 
And if Google have now moved to entirely replace that with what your core of vitals and other uh, Chrome user experience research metrics are, then what is the point of keeping AMP around, continuing to invest in it, particularly if at this point it seems not like an if Google will discontinue it and drop it as a product, but when a company that has a long history of more or less. Yeah, it's already more or less dead in the water. It's just uh, Google hasn't pulled the plug entirely yet because a lot of publishers still have AMP pages. Now, I think the effort that a publisher currently puts into maintaining and hosting those AMP pages, you should probably put that into your core web vitals. Improve those core web vitals, get those as green as you can get them, and then just delete your AMP articles. And you can do that in phases as well, you know, if you want to be safe about that. You can start publishing articles without the AMP HTML reference link in the HTML source code so Google doesn't know that there's an AMP version. And so won't call an index the AMP version. So, and then see what the impact is. You know, do you lose any traffic? I mean, in the last year and a half, we've had major publishers kill off their AMP articles, like Reuters killed off their AMP articles, a future publishing killed off AMP articles, Tribune publishing in the US killed off AMP for all the publications and stages. And none of them saw any detrimental impact. Some of them even saw a bit, a bit of an uplift in traffic and definitely an uplift in um, monetization for, for the non-app articles because of the freedom that they got in terms of advertising placements. So I think you can go further than that too, never mind just pure advertising, but access to first party data. You know, that user is now hitting your server or at least your own caches. You can load whatever you want within, you know, legal requirements for data protection, you know, do whatever analytics, generate first party data, you actually derive non-revenue value to create revenue in the future, whether that's through improving your products, better analytics, integration with your primary analytics accounts, rather than having to use whatever Google said, and whatever advertisers you feel like, rather than just whatever Google has okayed to be in. And I mean, the other thing is to, you suddenly free up a lot of resource that would have gone into developing, maintaining, managing your AMP versions that can go into core web vitals. And with, by the signs of it, if AMP, the AMP standard isn't going to change soon, if your setup works, you can just ignore it while you funnel all that work into your core of vitals improvements until such a time as you're confident that it's not going to be an issue and turn it off in pieces, as you said. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, you can just delete AMP entirely if you're comfortable enough about that. And then three, one, redirect your AMP URLs to your regular URLs. And you can also ping Google's AMP cache to flush your articles from that cache in which case you've been entirely migrated off AMP and then all your traffic for mobile or desktop or otherwise will go directly to your own web pages. And like, like you said, you, you get all the first party data, you're not breaking GDPR rules anymore. You're act actively legal in the EU, unless you use Google Analytics, in which case you will still be illegal in the EU because you're sending data to American servers, but that's a different discussion for a different webinar, I suppose. That's a different webinar. Post your own analytics if possible. <laughs> Please do. Absolutely. Awesome. Great. I think then if possible, I mean, it'd be really great if we had some insight into you know, groups that have turned it off. I remember reading quite a lot about, I think it was search engine journal when they turned it off. Search engine land. Yeah. That's the one about like, they announced they were going to turn it off. They turned it off and then they kind of reported on, on what they actually saw happen. And it was all the things that you have you know, reported from your own experience of like, we were able to get better first party data. We were able to make, you know, better decisions. We didn't see a drop in in click-throughs because we invested in our core of vitals, 
we invested in like structured data on pages to communicate all the same thing, which are not necessarily easy things to do, but they're things that are within within your control. If anyone has any questions they want to ask, we will do our best to answer them. I can see we've got two popped up in Q&A. Unfortunately, this was never an unbiased conversation. Is there nothing positive you can say about AMP? I think if we just say something positive about AMP, AMP was a great idea at the time. If it had become a neutral web standard, so if it had gone on to like become under the management of the W3C as like a stripped down version of the web that we could use, like there would actually have been a lot of value to that. A lot of the problems with, I feel to me, were about it being controlled by a single organization. What do you think, Barry? Yeah, I agree with that. I think AMP in 2019 is a very different beast from AMP in 2015. When AMP launched in 2015, it just wasn't ready for the big stage yet, but Google forced adoption on it. AMP in 2019 is actually a pretty robust framework. And that's the framework we still have today. You know, you can do a lot of cool things with AMP. I think, for example, AMP has a live blogging component, which some publishers use to build their own live blogging technology, which is really, really powerful and really mobile, it's mobile friendly and very useful. And there's a lot of other components of the AMP framework that are actually really good that developers can use to fairly rapidly build mobile friendly, fast loading web experiences with. Like Web Stories, for example, is based on the AMP standard as well. Just the resentment that AMP has created by forcing, by Google forcing it down our throat and by all the, the problems it has in terms of monetization, third party data, paywall structures, et cetera, has created such a negative overarching experience that it's hard to talk about AMP in a positive light. You know, it's just, it's, they did more things wrong than they did right when it came to, to using AMP and, and launching AMP. And I hope Google has learned from it. But it's not a bad web standard, web framework. You can take an AMP framework now and build a website on that. No problem. You, you know, it's, it's a pretty decent way to build a website. In fact, I'd probably prefer that over using a, a, a JavaScript framework like React or, or Angular because an AMP framework is much more SEO friendly out of the box than all that bloated JavaScript crap that we have to deal with as well from other frameworks. So I don't, I don't, I'm not inherently against using AMP in that way. I'm just, I have a lot of problems with how Google forced it down our throats and how Google used it to basically make the web conform to their vision of what the web should be like. Plus, of course, you know, publishers are cash trapped enough as it is. Publishers aren't and shouldn't be technology companies. So they shouldn't be forced into certain technological straitjackets, including AMP. Uh, and they're better off just trying to improve the whatever framework and standards they have at their own in their own uh, scenario rather than try to adopt something else entirely which may not align with what their internal skills and capabilities are about so you know amp, amp isn't terrible now but it was terrible when it launched and the way google used amp to basically hammer home for publishers created so much bad feeling that it's it's hard to see the positives beyond that yeah, just to give credit, that, that question was by Roberto and Eddie. And just to like double down kind of on that, like I think if there was a version of AMP that you could run from like a JavaScript task runner where you handed it your kind of AMP HTML and got out your optimized HTML like in the AMP standard back that you could host somewhere else, I think it would be a very different story of how I've how we kind of felt about it. Next question, and I'm sorry if I've mispronounced your name, but uh, Mahai, would you recommend removing AMP version from your website when you have a page experience, mobile and desktop, 99%, and AMP traffic is around 3% from GSC DNS at Google Search Console? 
Second we part. Yes. Google is still <laughs> using the app article. <laughs> Google is still using the app article because I have two different logos on the same article, on app version and on app version. Some articles and top stories on desktop, I'm seeing that he, that there is the AMP logo from Schema. Even if the page experience is at 99%, it still uses the AMP version of some articles. How would this affect my visibility? Um, don't take this as gospel, but I suspect there would be no impact on your visibility when you delete AMP. If your core web vitals and page experience is very good, Google will always use an AMP version on mobile if there is an AMP version, or always, nearly always. If, if you can index your AMP version and, and use that, it will show that in mobile. If there isn't an AMP version, then Google will just use your regular version. So in, in your scenario, I would feel pretty confident that you would not see any negative impact from turning off AMP. Uh, I'd say you can, if you can do it, maybe do it in a, on a per section basis, like stop publishing AMP or remove the AMP HTML reference from a specific section of your news website and see how that impacts on traffic and visibility for articles in that section. But yeah, I think it's it's pretty safe for you to start deleting app. I think, I mean, there is a, like Barry mentioned, there's a URL you can ping to decache a particular page. So working out if you can decache that page to kind of work out where those differences are coming from might be like a short-term solution to try and fix that. Next up question from Rafael Rubio. Do you recommend turning off AMP when the site is really slow slash core web vitals are really bad? Uh, no, that's the one scenario where I think you need to be very, very careful with because AMP does give you a huge load speed advantage because of uh, the, the, the benefits of the standard itself. Plus the fact that Google does extra optimization and preloading and pre-rendering from the AMP cache. If your core web vitals are really, really bad on your non-AMP articles, you will need to improve those. Core web vitals are actually a quite a strong ranking signal in Google's news carousels and top stories, especially on mobile. So you'll need to make sure that your core web vitals are mainly green and orange and not red before you even consider turning off AMP. If your core web vitals are very, very bad, you will probably need AMP for the foreseeable future until you find that improvement somewhere because otherwise I think you will see a drop in your visibility when you turn off AMP. I think that that is kind of site specific and specific to your audience. If you're like a news organization, then yeah, you need to work on getting the score of vitals up. But if you're maybe more of a trade publication that has a dedicated readership with a lot of kind of return, returning views and people are searching for your brand and demand to get your content, then maybe you can look at turning off um, it depends kind of where where your audience is, but you should definitely put some time and effort into the core of battles regardless. Then Roberto Eddie has come back to us with, I agree with everything you've both mentioned about how Google tried to force AMP. But let me ask you this, if you need to remember about AMP and imagine a technology called X to force you to minimize your CSS, limit your JavaScript and caches your pages, doesn't that make sense? The problem is that doing that is hard, so we developed RoboAmp.com and would love for you to try it. We make automatic AMP conversions with just one line of code. Thank you for this conversation, and thank you for your input, Roberto. I'm going to have to caveat that and say no, that doesn't necessarily make sense, because what does that mean in terms of limit JavaScript? What, in, what functionality is being removed there? What do you lose off the back of that? Plus, we cannot separate AMP from the AMP cache. We cannot just say, oh, you have an AMP version, therefore it's, it's better, it loads faster. Google will host it in the AMP cache. And that brings all kinds of other problems with third-party tracking 
and the fact that it's not your web server that's got the traffic, it's Google's web server. And, and AMP link, links will be hosted from the AMP cache. And so it's not just a simple, oh, AMP, AMP as a framework on its own is better because AMP only exists in the context of how Google uses AMP at the moment. You know, If Google ever retires the AMP cache, we have a different context for AMP, in which case I say, yeah, maybe you, know, you can use the AMP framework in certain ways to make better versions of your mobile pages. At the moment, we don't have that context. And therefore, I would be very hesitant to adopt a technology that turns my pages into AMP pages because of the way Google will then treat those AMP pages. So I admire you for, for trying that, Robert. I think it's, it's probably a, a very interesting technology. But there are inherent problems with that in that you're basically giving your pages to Google for Google to do with as they please, rather than you know you having full control over how your content is being displayed and how your content is being shown and how visitors interact with your content. Plus, of course, the limitations that AMP still has in terms of monetization and advertising, which haven't disappeared. They've, they've been, it's been better, but it's still not, not perfect by any stretch. And therefore, you know, will, you will still lose something if you change your pages into AMP pages. Raphael has also come back with an update to say that they also have AMP on their tag pages. So I imagine that's their kind of categories, you know, their pillars and, and things like that. Since it's implemented those pages, they started ranking better. Do you think it makes sense to keep AMP there? The non-AMP version is also very slow. Well, you sort of answered your own question there, Raphael. Uh, the non-AMP version is slow, the AMP version is fast. Google will show the AMP version in mobile search results because it's the faster version. And therefore, you get better traffic to them. I would say maybe try to make your non-AMP version faster. But at the other end, you know, uh, if you're happy enough to maintain AMP and keep that effort there, and for you that makes financial sense to keep doing that, because I suppose for your tag pages, there's not a huge amount of monetization opportunities in terms of advertising, then yeah, there's no, there's no inherent reason for you not to keep AMP. Just a lot of publishers have limited monetization on their app articles and especially publishers that have paywalls have a huge disconnect between the app experience and the regular web experience because users who hit an app article are not logged into the paywall even if they are logged in to the paywall on your regular article so that might be a user experience problem that you have but you know if you think right we're keeping amp for now because we're seeing more benefits than, than downsides then hey by all means knock yourself out thank you it's important to remember there too that AMP is effectively acting as a band-aid over a problem. It's not fixing the cause of why the site isn't ranking well on those pages and that if AMP goes away, which it may well do, like there's a perfectly reasonable chance that a press release came out today while we were doing this that says AMP being discontinued. It's unlikely, but it's not impossible. Um, so you kind of have to think about preparing for a world where that isn't there to help in that situation and also you know there are other browsers than google how does it impact them maybe they're not very well used maybe it's not a factor for you but just a thing to consider and roberto came back once again just to, to hammer home in a point that you can separate amp from the amp cache with signed exchanges and he's given us a link to uh, some documentation on the amp site that we'll fire up into a tweet or part of an email or something just so that we can like Make sure everyone knows everything yeah. that's Signed that's exchanges possible. have their own problem, by the way. Uh, I remember folks at uh, Mozilla going on the record as being very anti-signed exchanges because, again, it's a Google, not a, a, a open web standard. So there are issues with signed exchanges as well. That basically are the, almost the same issues that we have with AMP. Awesome. Cool. And that's 
that's the end of the the Q and A we've got. Thank you everyone who submitted a question. That was really good, and I hope it was it was helpful for everyone. Just to reiterate again, this has been recorded. We'll send it out if you want to have a listen again in your own your own time. And if you would like to, oh, should have pushed that on. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or Barry, we're both on Twitter. They're particularly active in this day and age, but it's still the easiest, most public place to get hold of us. And Barry is also on, on Mastodon. Barry, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're busy, but I really enjoyed it. It's really been great to talk about it. So thank you very much and have a lovely day. For everyone that is stuck around to listen to the Q&A, thank you again. And I look forward to seeing you at another event. I think we're going to have, it's not confirmed yet, but it's looking like our next kind of event is going to be around understanding programmatic advertising kind of at the basic level, because I know it's a huge deep topic and it's confounding even, even to me, especially to me. So we're going to get someone to talk about that, but thanks again, everyone. Have a lovely rest of your day and hopefully see you soon.